0: Hello and welcome to the Norwich City Tactics Podcast. I'm Sam and I'm joined by Rich and James as we discuss Norwich's 3-2 defeat to Leeds United. David Wagner made two changes from before the international break, with you new this for McCallum and Onel Hernandez making a surprise return. James, what were your thoughts on this starting 11? Um, I think it was
1: another game where... Before the start, we are suggesting that maybe Forshaw could come in and uh, add a bit more to that midfield. And uh, Sarah could maybe be released to play a bit further forward. Honestly, I thought that's probably what he'd do as well. So I was surprised he give Storm that number 10 role, which he didn't necessarily excel in at Coventry. I think it's fair to say. Happy have to see Danilo's back because, as we said, he's been one of our best players this season and is so important to our build-up and has been also exceptional defensively. It didn't feel like a risk to play him either in a, a game like this where we'd be facing good wingers. Yeah, on Hernandez, I think we've seen a lot of fairly average performances from several of our wingers who have all been sort of rotating about. So while we're surprised to see Hernandez, because he has been very good this season so far, it was, it was also ne- not necessarily a huge surprise because they've all seemed to have had a go at some point.
2: Yeah, I I think what James points out was uh, uh, what most Norwich fans felt. Um, for sure, I don't know, he de- definitely deserves a run on the team. I don't know how badly we have to um, play for him to actually to get in. But yeah, hopefully next week there's uh, something done on that front. Hernandez, yeah, frustrating as always. Um, but we don't actually have a lot else wide in- until signs is up to, to speed. Um, and yeah, really happy to, to see Yanulis you know, come in. Uh, he's been excellent all year.
0: Yeah, I felt it was quite a risk averse starting 11 from Wagner, which is a little bit what he does as a coach. But we know that Gibbs uh, is pretty good in terms of pressing, and he is a very diligent player. Like, he does work very, very hard, even though he has limitations on and off the ball. So I did feel he was kind of there to help Ida press from the front. But yeah, agree with you both on Hernandez. I think he was very fortunate to get a start um, considering his last few performances. But as you said, James, there's been a lot of average displays from, uh, from our wingers and wide forwards. So probably at this point, Wagner probably fought well, even though he hasn't been playing very well. I'm going to play him just because the rest of it could be competing for that role. Just haven't done very well.
1: Yeah, we saw. I think it was the Southampton game of the season. He did put in quite a good shift defensively there. So maybe that was also in Wagner's mind coming up against the team with such a strong attack.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so we're going to get into the opening 30 now. And uh, Rich, you had a look back. How did Norwich do in these opening
2: minutes? Well, we made an excellent start, actually. To, to most Norwich fans' surprise, I think that the stadium got a bit of a jolt. Um, after the start, but in the first two minutes, uh, some really nice, aggressive pressing from the front. Hernandez, uh, he gets in a really good position. Um, unfortunately, the ball was just goes out for a corner, which we know what happens from the corner. Uh, Duffy rises and scores an excellent goal. Um, it's a, it's an excellent near-post delivery from Sarah, um, who finds Duffy in the pocket. Leeds sort of defended the, the set-piece in, in a mix of sort of zonal and marking. Duffy was meant to be being marked by Pirro, but it was really poor from Pirro. Duffy loses him easily, didn't even have to move that much to lose him, but finds a pocket at the near post and glances it in really well. So an excellent start from Norwich.
0: Yeah, it's a really good set-piece routine. And um, what we knew from Daniel Farker at Norwich was that we weren't always very good at competing in our own box at set-pieces. So we considered a lot of goals from corners. And I saw a lot of Norwich fans saying, oh, that's typical Daniel Farker, that he's in charge of a team that don't defend in that aspect very well but actually looking at some of the underlying numbers Leeds have the third lowest xg against for set pieces um and they have only conceded two goals from set pieces all season so actually they're one of the best teams in the league at defending from corners and free kicks uh, in free kicks in terms of crosses so actually even though that might seem like that was an easy goal to get for Norwich leads on the whole this season have been very combative in that area so uh, yeah a really nice corner from Sarah and um yeah overall Norris did really well in that uh situation
2: yeah I think the key part of that goal was the, the delivery from Sarah um often when you go for a near post uh corner delivery the delivery has to be exceptional for you to get a chance from because it's easy to hit the first man um so it needs to be quality and and quality is what it was Then next, what happened in the half uh, and around the eighth minute uh, was an example of how Leeds could be a threat. Um, So, some of them find space in the pocket on the transition, cutting in from the the left-hand side. Uh, He finds James on the right, who then cuts in and has his chance blocked. So, this come about as uh, both of our defensive midfielders pushed up to the press. If they missed that first press, um, it left a lot of space uh, in front of our defence which James and, and Somerville made the most of really well. Um, we weren't caught out on this occasion, but it, it was a theme of the game that I noticed early on. I don't know what you guys think.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed that quite a lot the section of the game I broke down later. And the gap between the midfield and defence was a massive problem. When they'd, they'd both go to press and the ball would get played around them to Byron or Gray, and then they'd both be up high, pressed up on Kabara and Ampadu. And they'd leave that entire space for the ball to be played inside to the feet of Ritter Pirro. And that was a huge problem because Duffy and Gibson never really got to grips with them at all uh, in terms of the, uh, the way they sort of moved in tandem. One would receive the ball to feet, the other would run beyond. And um, generally they'd look to sort of go and try and go to the man who'd received the feet but then that would open up the space behind. And you'd get the other striker running behind or the wingers moving in throughout wide and uh, making that run from out to in. And it uh, caused quite a lot of dangerous situations there, uh, throughout the half and then also to the second half as well.
0: Yeah, Peru is a bit of a nightmare to pick up. His spatial awareness is so good. Uh, so even though you kind of think of him, and actually here's the he is the posture and like the build of a classic number nine, but actually the way he drops deep is so crucial to Leeds' build-up play. And uh, yeah, it was really noticeable how impressive that was on
2: Saturday. And I, and I think for me, it's always interesting to compare when an old manager comes and, and see how he sets up a, a new side. And I thought Leeds played in much more of a four, sort of four triple two. So it was the 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 wingers cut in, and, and the two were actually forwards. But as you say, that either one would come in. Perros done it excellently, and Rutter would go in behind. But Rutter uh, on occasions did it as well. So um, it was more of a. A four-two-two-two-two two, 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 rather than the sort of four-two-three-one where we had under under Farker, which was interesting to me.
1: Yeah, Osprey is interesting because of like the the profile of attackers he has at leads. You think mm. bats like Buendia, Cantwell, Dowell, Steeperman. They're all sort of like players who get on the ball between lines and are quite technical. And then compared to Leeds, where he's got wingers who like to get on the ball and dribble and uh, like to attack the man one v one. He doesn't really have a striker like Pookie who's It plays off the last shoulder and is quick and will run in behind and score goals like that. Because uh, Perot he plays as like a number 10, but he sort of goes around and gets into scoring positions like that. And uh, Ritter likes to drop deep and get on the ball a lot more than any of our strikers did under Fark at Norwich. So I was really interested to see how that attack would work under Fark,
2: because it's completely different profiles to what he had here, as I said. Yeah. Spot on. So, yeah. And then in the 11th minute, uh, it was a good example of some of our build-up play, um, which we have struggled with a little bit throughout the season. I know some fans, uh, well, in this game as well, there's frustration when um, we play it short. But I thought we did it pretty well uh, in the first 30 minutes. Something I noticed, which has been a a clear thing that they've worked on and and is an idea that's sort of been popularised by De Zerbi is the idea of provocation. Putting your foot on the ball and enticing a, a presser to play around them and create gaps in between um, the lines. So I thought Gunn did that excellently in in these first sort of thirty minutes. The bit I rewatched, he enticed the. the um, run it really well played round them and because um, as soon as you beat that first press because Leeds did press high they left space on the sort of artificial transition so I thought a lot of our chances came from that and actually in the 12th minute Leeds were quite open from the transition and we and we created a, a chance from it I don't know what you guys thought but we had a lot of success from that in the first 30 minutes
0: yeah um Similar to how good leads are at defending set pieces, they've got the lowest PPDA in the league. So um, PPDA stands for uh, Passes Per Defensive Action. Um, So that means they've basically got the most aggressive press in the league. And the fact that Norwich were able to play out so well um, just shows you how well executed the playing out was um, from Gunn into defenders, into McLean, into Sarah. Um, Those movements just work so well. They're also leading the high turnovers in the league as well. This was before the game. But um, high turnovers are the number of times a team wins possession in open play within 40 minutes of the opponent goal. So all this season, Leeds have been really, really good off the ball. And the fact that Norwich did so well for the majority of this game playing out is is a definite improvement um, compared to recent games. Yeah,
1: it's also interesting because... Under Wagner, we have been a side that have generally relied on uh, transitions, particularly from turnovers, from uh, counter-pressing, for example, to uh, create our best chances. So um, for me, Wagner's probably looked at it and gone, well, we need to create as many of these opportunities as we can so that we can then have a better chance of creating those goal-scoring opportunities down the other end. That's why he's likely opted for this, uh, this style to try and provoke the opposition press and create those sort of artificial transitions. I think uh, that's a good way to describe them. And it works really well in the first half as well. I was maybe a bit harsh with the performance uh, on Saturday, just because of how it is after you lose. But in the first half, we were generally really good at
2: that part of the game. Yeah, definitely. And I think this first sort of 20 minutes was by far our best spell. And I thought we looked really good. Um, Again, in the 17th and and 21st minutes, again, we created some really good chances. The the bit in the 17th minute, because we played quite narrow, um, our forwards and our wide players tough in. there was a really good spell of one touch passing and associative football between them. I think it was... Kenny nearly gave the ball away, but we'll ignore that part. Played a good pass into to Sarah, who plays it around the corner. Then a bit of one touch passing between um, Gibbs and Art Ida, and we get in really well. Yeah, there was some, there was some really good football uh, and some really good chances, but but then it sort of turned. And from the 23rd minute till the end of the sort of section I watched, there was a, a fair few Leeds chances. So i will go through the first one. The 23rd minute, Hernandez gets it on the left with his back to goal. Gives it away really sloppily. Leeds work it into Glenn Kamara in a, in a really good position, who just shoots wide. Um, but yeah, the, the first of the, the few. Don't know what you guys think.
1: Yeah, that wasn't the first time Hernandez gave it away. Does that um, square pass quite early on? He played it straight into the path of Somerville, running on defence, and I think it was eventually uh, it was eventually led to a shot from Rutter from a narrow angle. But yeah, wherever and whenever we gave the ball away, we looked in real danger of giving up a big chance because the midfield just played through so easily time and time again into the feet of those forwards who were uh, the, the two wingers and the strikers who would drop into that space between the midfield and defence and get it. It's constantly a problem. And this time it was Kamara playing the 1-2. Looking back at the video, it's probably a, a much better chance than I thought. He's got a decent chunk of the goal to aim at. So he'll probably think he should have done better
0: there. Yeah, just uh, on Hernandez, there seemed to be a few people that were singing his praises, but I still felt he's a bit inconsistent. He had a 68% pass completion, which is pretty below average. Really, I think it's not empirical, but for a midfielder, it's somewhere between 75 and 80% is average, and Hernandez was a little bit below that. But he did do other good stuff in possession, like the way that he um, pinned uh, Archie Gray, who was the right back. And that was a really good way for Norwich to get out of Leeds' press because it was a ball down the line and Hernandez's upper body strength is really good. And Gray could get absolutely nowhere near the ball. A really good outlet for Norwich to progress. But yes, still a little bit mixed from Hernandez in possession overall.
2: Well, I think often it found um, Hernandez with his back to goal and it was a pressing trigger as soon as he got the ball. The way the Leeds organised their press was as soon as uh, Hernandez got it, they know he's going to go backwards so they were able to collapse on him and he, and he gave the ball away early on in the half and, and then here again both Leeds' best chances in this first 30 minutes came from uh, Hernandez giving the ball away and then the chance afterwards again we give the ball away Um James cuts in finds loads of space in front of the defence because our two DMs have gone pushing and, and pressing again Um he finds Perot clean through really really good opportunity in the middle of the goal and he and he misses just wide so so for all the good build-up stuff that we did, um, we did also give away a few chances towards the end of my short section.
0: Just wanted to say um, a really good piece of defending from Stacey, or maybe a, a good piece of things, the wrong way to say it, but his acceleration there, just to put Pirot off the shot, is really, really good, and uh, he d- misses the target. So moving into the
1: next uh, period of the game, we had our disallowed goal from the corner, which um involves... As a sort of block from Gibson, which allows Duffy this sort of clear run to go and head the ball. And he gets pretty decent contact, but it's, it's probably one that would be saved if Hernandez wasn't backing into the keeper. And also Hernandez was offside, so realistically there's no way that's going to count. It's more of a subtle bit of like set-piece coaching with the blocking, but one that created a pretty good chance for us there. Yeah, this was also just after George Long had been introduced to the game, uh, due to the injury of Gunn. Gunn actually actually pulled a groin uh, making a pass under pressure uh, and then went down a couple of minutes later. So hopefully that's not too serious. Yeah, and Long, we know that distribution is probably one of his better areas as a keeper. He is fairly decent at that part of the game. And he was also trying to uh, draw the press in a similar way to Gunn. So clearly that's a, a message that's come from the coaches for uh, anyone who's in goal to uh, follow that strategy. Carrying on from the theme of Rich at the end of the 30 minutes, There was um, a a few more Leeds chances in this period, most of them coming in sort of transition situations. In the 34th minute, it actually starts down the other end and uh, the ball goes into the feet of Ritter. Gibson has uh, pushed all the way up into the Leeds half and followed him. Ritter lays it back to Perot who's arriving and Perot gets the ball and releases James to space down the right Duffy comes across and um looks like he's going to try and stand him up but then James takes a heavy touch and Duffy bites and dives in to try and win the ball and James just a bit too quick gets uh ahead of him and uh takes the heavy touch around him it's a really poor finish because he has so much time to line up the shot and then just sort of wildly blazes it into the crowd so yeah a bit of a let off there
0: I was just like I think we were the benefit of Leeds making a few bad decisions in our box um, or in and around our box. We've already talked about the Kamara chance where he just hits it wide and and yeah, Peru missing the target as well. But yeah, that James shot was pretty wild. I do feel even at this point, it was just really chaotic. There was a sense of that during that first half, it almost felt like a second half in terms of the amount of transitions and end-to-end style. It was really exciting to watch as a fan. But actually, from a tactical point of view, it did seem a little bit anarchic, like a bit all over the place. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: and I don't think that's the kind of game you want against Leeds uh, necessarily, especially when you've already taken the lead, because they've got the kind of players like Somerville, Ritter, for example, they thrive on chaotic situations. They like to have the space to take people on and uh, try sort of more risky uh, bits of link up. Ritter, for example, loves that. I felt like the chaos sort of played into their hands in this period of the game because it allowed those players the chance and the space to really sort of uh, show how they could link up together. And yeah, that created so many dangerous chances. A couple minutes later, it's um, 36th minute, and it's uh, the ball's playing to Rutter's feet again, this time with Duffy running out to close him down. And there's a third man run from Somerville from Wise. Stacey doesn't track it. Yeah, Rutter just plays around the corner first time into the space which Duffy's vacated. And Somerville... Looks like it's going to have an easy chance. But yeah, it's the recovery pace of Stacey to make up for his error there. He comes in and makes a really good slide tackle. You mentioned Stacey's pace and it really got him out of trouble there because initially he didn't track the run at all from some of them. So Stacey's tackle uh, then leads to a corner which is another good chance from Leeds. Cross comes in and Ritter's actually unmarked. Stacey is, looks like he should be the one marking him, but isn't close enough. Ritter gets ahead of our first uh, zonal defender, which is Gibson. Gets good contact on it, just wise. We're a free head over there. He'd probably be quite disappointing not to hit the target. But again, it's another pretty decent chance that uh, Leeds didn't take advantage of in that first half.
0: Yeah, I didn't manage to re-watch this period. Uh, and... James, you describing all these chances. It's it's pretty alarming how many there were in the end. Uh, I know you uh, haven't covered the second goal for Norwich yet, but all these chances just building up. It was it was pretty clear that even though Norwich were leading, Leeds were slightly dominant in terms of, or not slightly dominant, very dominant in terms of chance creation.
1: Yeah, they definitely were across the half. Although having said that, uh, we're trying to get into a period where we actually had the better of the chances. Uh, from the 38th minute was the uh, the first of them where uh, you does a really nice um, dribble to uh, beat the pressing Leeds player and then feeds Sarah. And it's a through ball from Sarah into Ida that um, unfortunately just sort of holds up a bit in the pitch so Ida can't let it run across him and burst into the space and it just gives Rodon enough time to accelerate and like close that separation that Ida originally had. A couple of minutes later, there's a nice ball from McLean into Ida's feet and uh, he just spreads it wide to Stacey. And it eventually leads to Roe cutting inside on left, the way we've seen him do a couple of times this season for goals. And it's a really clean strike that is unfortunately blocked. Which And then that also leads to Hernandez cutting in from the left. And he has another pretty clean strike at goal, which is also blocked. So uh, a few decent attempts there, leading up to the 43rd minute, which is our second goal. Uh, this comes about from a McLean crossfield. He um, picks out Hernandez really well. And Hernandez does a great touch, sort of on his thigh, I think. And it keeps the ball ahead of him so he doesn't have to slow down his momentum. And it allows him to sort of drive towards the byline. And then he chops back and it draws in a few Leeds defenders towards him. He then finds Sarah arriving edge of the box. Passes a bit behind him. But um, Sarah, it's an absolutely unbelievable feat to... Uh, First spin on the ball, and then sort of dances his way through three or four Leeds players, and just absolutely lever[s] it in the near post. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about that other than it's an
2: absolutely unbelievable piece of individual skill. He definitely meant it all, didn't he? No chance. Yeah, he got a few lucky bounces, I'd say, but um, no, it was really good feet uh, and the way to just have the composure to do that anyway and get in that position, and then the, the ball striking at the end—it is quality. But I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, that's all, Sarah." But there was a, definitely a few lucky bounces for him. I mean, yeah,
1: he just, has he just like a step over initially to duck between the first two. And then mm-hmm. uh, the defender sort of comes in, he just sort of nips ahead of him and he gets a little touch of the defender's foot on the way through. And that's when it sort of goes out to the left of the six yard box and he uh, gets the room for the shot. He definitely showed more sort of anticipation of the ball than anyone else to uh, get on, to uh, sort of get the space there to shoot. We know Sarah's a goal scorer, even from that deeper role that he's been play. So, not surprised to see him score again. And, uh, yeah, not surprised to see him score with a pretty spectacular finish either because we know how good he is at striking a football.
0: Yeah, just on that finish, I mean, it's pretty obvious. But, like, it's such a clean strike and he gets so much power behind it. The technique's just so good. And, I mean, like, obviously, Melio was never going to save it. But Melio barely even moves. Like, he can't even react. Like, I think he kind of slightly moves his right palm towards it. But it's just such a beautiful strike. And, yeah, the way, the connection, the power... Yeah, it's just uh, it was just amazing yeah, everything about the goal. I know you you said, Rich, that you got a bit lucky, definitely in that final action where you know there's a bit of a bit of a coming together between him and I think it's Archie Gray or or another defender, but that pivot um, between Kamara and um, Ampadu was just so so good.
1: Yeah, so I think that there's one more chance of note at the end of the first half, which is a. Somerville cut in from the left and uh, curled just wide. That one looked pretty close to going in, as we saw later on It's some finish that he's obviously quite good at. Yeah, so maybe it's the second half. Norwich kicked off. We started with uh, the exact same kickoff. We've tried three games in a row now, which is uh, just a long ball from McLean to the left winger trying to run in behind their right back. I think this time it's over-hit and uh, goes out for a throw-in, but um, initially puts the pressure back under Leeds in their half. So uh, as a kickoff routine, you don't really mind it.
0: I think it's getting a bit predictable, that one. I wish they'd stop it, to be honest, because I've seen a couple of like kickoffs where it looks like a team's going to go one way and then there's a runner on the other side, which they manage to get in. And yeah, they're able to get into some space, but it always has to be a very, very accurate pass or a very high level pass. And uh, McLean is capable of that, but I think the past two or three times, it just hasn't really worked. And yeah, maybe Andy Hughes or whoever's in charge of those um those kickoffs can, can think of something else.
1: I'm expecting someone else next game now. If if he's listening. Uh I want to see him cook something up spectacular. We had a bit of early pressure in this half. We won a free kick in the sort of left channel. And it's a really nice delivery from Sarah, which I think ends up hitting the heel of a Leeds player, maybe, and going just wide the post. But yes, it's uh, another sort of flat pace delivery, like for the goal this time, an outswinger, which um, yeah causes some trouble. We were still sort of playing a sort of fairly similar manner to the first half for this sort of ten minutes after halftime. We still look quite open in transition, but also still trying to put the pressure back on them and get down their end as well. In terms of uh, the space between uh, the midfield and defence. I thought that was that was still pretty evident at the start of the half. In the 49th minute, it had to be as a last ditch block from Duffy after Somerville basically walked into the box, just dancing between two or three of our players. It came about because uh, Sarah had pressed up um, to try and win the ball, and he'd been beaten. And we ended, sort of ended up in a situation where we had five players back, so the back four and McLean, and then yeah, the other five players were quite slow to recover their position, which gave some of the space to uh, attack the box 1v1 against Stacey and uh, yeah he almost gets through and scores there.
0: Yeah I'm just going to come in and say that um, I think Sarah off the ball defensively uh, was a huge weakness on Saturday because a lot of the time um, he was a bit too far forward he was almost attracted to the ball too much and there were a couple of interactions or a couple of times where he tried to make a tackle and he would just leave all this space behind him he he wasn't very disciplined in terms of that area and I think Sometimes you watch a player who plays in that central area and if they go and win the ball, they kind of take everything in the man. Like there's no way that they're going to let themselves be out of position. But I just don't think that's in Sarah's game. And it was pretty problematic on Saturday.
2: Just on that, do you think it's a consequence of changing a role? Um, Because if you're being pushed forward and saying, go press, go be a nuisance, go do it that way and then being asked to then next week do the exact opposite. I don't know. I think I'd find it tricky. I don't know what you guys think.
1: I think, well, first, there's the mitigation that he was actually booked in the first half. So the option of taking the ball on the man is like severely reduced by that. But yeah, generally, I think we've discussed this before in that McLean and Sarah were both players who, in the years before Norwich, were more sort of attacking midfielders. And they sort of defend like attacking midfielders in that they like to sort of dive in and press and try and win the ball. But then... uh, they don't pay too much attention to what's behind them. They don't necessarily uh, defend space and like, passing lanes as well as they defend actively and try and win the ball. Cool.
0: Well, moving into the 60-90 to 90 period, I guess the first um, element of note was Hernandez coming off for spring it. That was a bit controversial and looked like on social media after the game, but I think it was um, slightly injury-related because someone gave Hernandez like a pack of ice Springett came on and a row went to the left wing, which was quite nice because I like that you knew this and row combination on the left hand side. But it wasn't long after that that Leeds scored. So yeah, it all kind of started in the middle of the in the middle of the pitch, and McLean just slightly mistimes his challenge on Kamara, which then leads to I think it's like a four v four or a three v three. So um, yeah, it's like a very dangerous position. There's there's no midfielder covering now, and basically Rutter was running out our defence. And he passes it to James. And the only issue here is you know this is body shape. So he's looking towards the goal. If he's looking out towards James, then he can see him and the ball. Uh, so what happens is that um, James's first touch, if he actually goes towards goal, he'll have a shot. Fortunately, um, or unfortunately, on how it panned out, uh, James's touch is really heavy. It's really poor. Takes him to the touchline. Um, and the only thing that he can do is take a pretty desperate ground cross. Long is at fault here because the ball goes straight through him, hits Duffy, and goes in for an own goal. I think it's such a short reaction time for Long that he's a bit unlucky. But the ball goes through his legs, so you'd like to think that maybe if Angus Gunn was there, he'd have a slightly better reaction. He's able to get his leg to the ball, and it goes out for a corner. But the fact that it goes straight through Long is the is the big issue, and and Norwich find themselves
2: uh, at two one at this point. I know what you mean by the the touch was poor and it, it was heavy um, but I actually think that the first touch allows him to get round Ynoulis really well um, and I thought it made the goal. Um, it would have been very easy for him to get the ball stuck under his feet and it's often a criticism of James that he can get either get the ball stuck under his feet or is, is too heavy going the other way. But I think creating that space and um, distance from the defender, Ynoulis, he was able to whip that cross through and to be honest, there isn't a lot that we can do to defend that, unless, as you say, your goalkeeper is more aggressive to, to, to stop it going across the goal.
0: So, yeah, at this point, it does feel like there's a bit of a shift in, in tone for the game. I mean, Leeds had probably been the slightly better team, but Norwich still looked fairly composed, um, actually, and they did have good periods of possession, like the ones that you uh, that you both have mentioned um, in the previous 60 minutes. There's a sour free kick, which gets saved by Melier. Then there's a, a set-piece routine that we've seen before, which is Duffy going over. It looks like there's going to be a short corner. It gets played out um, to you and then to Stacy. Um, and because Duffy's the free man, then closest to goal, if Stacy can execute that ball into the box, right? Uh, then it leads to Duffy having a free header. He can either head it at goal or head it across the box, which would lead to a really good chance. Unfortunately, Stacy's execution is wrong. He needs to go for a, a flat drive with uh, the laces rather than a curl with the instep. So, annoyingly it uh, it goes out of play but yeah another example of um the Andy Hughes school of set pieces so moving on again I think there was a really nice piece of play around the 69th minute uh it was like a McLean, Ida and Dimi triangle um Ida actually like holds the ball up fairly well here I think um or whatever he does he's able to retain possession and Ida had like a 90% post completion rate and I know basically he's got a bit of stick and criticism because of his lack of um, goal scoring from fans. But actually, it just shows you how good he is um, in possession in the fact that he can hold up the ball really well. He can pin defenders. He's strong. He's athletic. He was involved in this piece of play, which was really good. It, um, it was then moved on to Sarah, who did an amazing pass. Um, he cuts across the ball, hits it around a block into the run of Stacey. Um, it leads to Stacey going past Byron like he wasn't there. Um, and then hits it with his left foot. Uh, Melio makes a pretty good save and then it comes back to Ida um, who unfortunately is offside but he doesn't score an open goal because yeah he hits it over. The frustrating thing about this is that um, if Ida had got himself into an onside position he's probably got a longer reaction time because the ball gets palms straight to him. He can't adjust his body um, to put it in the back of the net so yeah I think he slightly hesitates or switches off. He's He's not really ready for when the shot comes in. And that's evident in his technique because he kind of hunches over um, and isn't able to get his body behind the ball and score. So, yeah, even though I've kind of at the start of this move praised Ida's build-up, that's another example of how he just lacks that that killer instinct inside the box. I guess probably the biggest factor in the second half was when Daniel Farker made his subs and it was a formation change. So he takes off Kamara, brings on Patrick Bamford as centre-forward. Uh, Byron comes off and he brings on Monto, who moves out to the right wing. In possession, it becomes like a 3-2, 3-2. Two, two. Uh, it's a little bit difficult to describe, but essentially Ampadu is almost like a lone six. And Peru, who's kind of the other slightly central player, he's almost like an attacking midfielder. So you've basically got only Ampadu in that space. So, yeah, it's, it's a really risky decision by Farker, but something that obviously, due to the final score, was um, was a risk worth taking. But yeah, it just felt like Norwich couldn't cope with how many forward players Leeds had on the pitch at that point. Yeah,
1: well, we spoke about how this is different to the far teams that we uh, knew and loved. But this tactical switch is one that we'd seen quite a few
0: times when we were
1: behind. The moves, the very attacking win backs, We'd see Hernandez and Aarons go play win backs for us. And uh, basically, it allowed them to get an extra forward onto the pitch, but also maintain uh, this sort of similar shape and build-up with the... Uh, the free, and then also maintain the width with the wingbacks. And I think, well, I mean, we know that the um, R2 center struggled with the strikers when it was 2v2, but then having Bamford there as well, I think we were just completely overwhelmed in that area of the pitch. We didn't really do anything to sort of counteract that from a tactical point of view either. Wagner kept it pretty similar in terms of shape throughout.
0: Do you think there was anything that could have realistically done? I mean, I don't know whether that's letting him off the hook, but when players of that quality come on and they have... Somerville, Bamford, Nonto, Pirro, all on the pitch. It just feels like, well, I mean, Wagner could have put on Danny Bath in centre-back and put three centre-backs in there, but then you just see territory and you see another man further up the pitch. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit sympathetic to him in this position.
2: Well, I think there's a lack of direction when these sort of changes happen. I thought it was really uh, provocative from Fark. I, I loved it. I think it's so brave and so... Uh, daring to go and put another striker on and play with one sort of pivot player. But that obviously leads to space and it leads to disadvantages for them defensively. And if you're going to continue to play the same way, I don't. there needs to be more from, from Wagner. You need to go more direct. You need to go quicker to the channels. You need to put the pressure back on their half, continuing to play out from the back and just inviting that pressure on to which we we turned over the ball frequently and gave away chances, it's not what you do. And it's just a lack of sort of um, reactivity from Wagner. I think it's a common criticism he gets, um, a lack of game management and, and, and making changes in game um, that will, will affect how the, the match is running out.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Rich, in that if you are going to suddenly have like five out-and-out out forwards on the pitch, you can still only have 11 players on the pitch, so obviously you're going to create a disadvantage somewhere else. In this case, in the um, they only really had one midfielder left on the pitch, and a back three, which I think had Archie Gray as the sort of outside centre back. And we didn't really do enough to maintain that uh that sort of counter attacking threat in the channels and uh, that you'd want uh, when you're trying to hold a lead, because we know that we can't hold out for 20, 25 minutes against this like standard of attack. So we need to get up the pitch. As much as possible, even if it's just like I don't know, winning a throw-in in their half and maybe having the ball for thirty seconds or a minute or something, and like not overcommitting necessarily because obviously you don't want to give them too much space, but just like giving the defense a chance to breathe and take the pressure off. And I felt like that's something we lacked again, like at Coventry as well. I felt we sat back too early and uh, we backed ourselves to defend. And yeah, I think we just need occasionally just to take the pressure off.
2: I think for me, sorry, I've got a lot of opinions on this. Game management isn't just keeping the ball, and passing around the back and inviting pressure on, which I think a lot of people think is, oh, you just play more sensibly, you defend. And no, game management is reacting to how the game is playing out and managing it in a way where you can still be in an advantageous position. So as you put players forward and commit more to a press, that leaves space in behind. So you go more direct, you play to the channel, you pull your wingers wide, but just, just sort of stop and watch and let it play out, it's really poor for me. And it's not what an elite manager is.
0: So Leeds did continue to create chances at this point. There are a couple of ones that Norwich slightly got away with. And what happened in the 74th minute was actually a really good save from Long. Uh, we've criticised him a little bit, but this save from him was definitely the highlight uh, for his performance. James cuts inside it. who should really show him down the line. Long's vision is partially blocked by Springett and fully blocked by Jack Stacey. So he probably only sees the shot when it goes past Stacey. He's also shifting his body weight to his left to see the ball. And the way he's able to spring back to the near post uh, means he gets a pretty good wrist on the ball and it goes out for a corner. It's one of those that I think a lot of fans, when they see a goal go in the near post, they automatically blame the goalkeeper. But for this one, because he sees it so late, it's a really well hit shot by uh, James. I think Long's reaction is just absolutely brilliant. It, again, if it was Angus Gunn, we probably would be, you know, talking about how Angus Gunn's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And this was really, really impressive from Long. So a mixed display for him overall. But I really, really wanted to highlight that save because it was a really, really good piece of goalkeeping. Um, unfortunately, he didn't keep out Leeds' equaliser in the 77th minute. It's um, another short corner routine that Norwich have conceded to a lot this season. And basically, Rowe doesn't get out to Nyonto quick enough. And also, Stacey's quite slow to get to Somerville, who's um, the goal scorer. I think Patrick Bamford does a pretty good piece of blocking on Stacey, which slows him down a little bit. But you can't take anything away from the strike by Somerville. It's just such nice technique. Um, the way he just uses his right foot to curl the ball um, it hits the post and goes in. Nothing that Long could do about it. He just can't get across and um, and get to that ball. Wagner made the uh, the triple sub. He brought on Forshaw sure for Gibbs, Fashnak for Rowe, and uh, Hwang for Ida. Uh, Spring it again. Moved back to the left wing. A couple of those substitutions are real downgrading quality, especially Fashnak for Um Maybe we'll get into play performances later, but Fashnak was absolutely awful um, in pretty much every single action. It was a really really disappointing uh, display, and yeah looked a completely different player from the one that played for us in in August. So yeah, in that final 10 minutes, that's when Norwich really began to regress.
1: With what Richard mentioned earlier about the uh, game management and how the scenario probably called for us to go more direct and look to run into the channels with like, wide wingers and whatever. I think Fast acts is completely the wrong choice for that, that scenario because it's just not at all dynamic compared to any of the other wingers we have. And uh, yeah, I think bringing him on and bringing on Huang, who is also not particularly dynamic as a lone striker, it just sort of kills any chance we have of getting into the channels and getting up the pitch like that. I mean, you speak about game management. I think with that, he's basically removed the last two outlets we had on the pitch in terms of counterattacking, and getting into those channels.
0: Yeah, so carrying on, um, moving into like 80 minutes now, I think, James, you mentioned about how like, there's a huge amount of space that was between the defensive midfield. And I thought Foreshaw might come on and fix that. But actually, we were still as porous in those areas. I mean, the gap between McLean and Foreshaw in central midfield at this point was absolutely huge. And it was just terrifying because every single time Leeds won the ball back, it was just so easy to play through Norwich. Um, There was no sort of disruption. We just weren't compact anymore. And I think when you play in a 4-4-2 off the ball, it's designed to be very, very tight and there's not a lot of passing lanes from the defence to the front too. But Norwich were all over the place in terms of their shape and Leeds made the pitch really, really big. So they really stretched the uh, stretched the wingers out and it just meant that if Norwich were trying to man-mark, that just opened loads of other gaps. And yeah, I mean, it just felt a third goal was going to come. And I think most frustratingly, it came from just a really bad set piece. David Wagner, after the game, he said how they had a three-on-one on that side so basically, I think they had Sarah McLean and Janoulis, and they only had one player in the wall leads. So what they could have done is just play the ball between the three of them and create a crossing opportunity on the left-hand side. Instead, the ball gets passed to Sarah, and he uh, hits a ball into the box uh, towards the back post. So away from Duffy, away from Gibson, and to Stacy. Stacy makes the absolutely bizarre decision of not going for the ball. So he's headed out pretty easily by Bamford, I think, and then a pass is released by Rutter to Somerville, down the left-hand side, and Forshaw doesn't really know whether to engage with Rutter or try and block the passing lane. He does the latter, um, but he just can't get to the ball. And then Somerville's running for a goal. He's got the whole of the Norwich's half to run into. Uh, McLean and Unis do their best to prevent a shot, but as, some, as soon as Somerville puts it onto his right, he's able to, to finish it pretty easily. But, yeah, it's a really poor counter-attacking goal to concede. And Wagner and um, it looked like the rest of the team were pretty furious after that.
2: I think for me, both Somerville's goals really um, just highlight his quality. I think he's a he's a really really good player, uh, and sometimes really really good players produce that bit of quality when you give them space. He's got a similar knack of what Johnny Rowe does, where he'll shift his body and and get a shot off really quick. Um, and his second goal was as a good example of that: shifting his body, bending it, starting it wide, bending it into the corner. So yeah, excellent, excellent player. But Norwich. Again, he shouldn't have that much space, shouldn't have that much time between the lines. And it was going to come to bite as He had it throughout the entire game. Um, we've all spoken about Somerville popping up in the space between uh, the defence and the midfield. Um, it just in the second half, he took, he made the most of it.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of things on this. and One, if the plan is to just put a ball into the box, one thing you need to really do is you need to control the edge of the box by having someone there you know there's probably a good chance it's going to be headed out because a lot of crosses to the box are and you've got a chance to actually set this up so it's not just like an open play one there's no one on the edge of the box waiting for it to be headed out so the least players there's three of them i think are the three nearest players to the ball when it's headed out and Forshaw sure gets left in the scenario where he's basically defending a 2v1 half the pitch because uh He's trying to block the pass to Somerville, but also like unsure whether he should go to Rutter, as he said. And I think, yeah, we could have just set that up much better. He said Somerville, the quality to cut in and shoot quickly. I also feel like we made it very easy for him. I think McLean sort of left that exit pretty open with his body position. And uh, he didn't get, really get that close to him either. It was a case of he was given the space and took it very easily with his quality. He didn't really have to work to make space in the way that you'd want him to. Good 1v1 defenders sort of um, try and make the attacker go where they want to go and uh, force the attacker to do something to uh, create the space or uh, the attacker's got to like do an exceptional piece of dribbling to uh, go the way that they want to go. And I think in this case, Somerville was just allowed to cut in and shoot and there was basically no resistance to that. And it was just far too easy. They should have tried to show him wide, really, because a shot cross goal on his weaker foot is better for long. In terms of saving,
2: and it's a much harder shot for Somerville himself. I think on that point that you make about McLean making it far too easy to come inside and get the shot off. Uh, a big thing of what you coach um, when you coach a defender to engage someone in a one v one is to not commit your body weight to one side. And what Kenny does is he, he jumps, he puts all his weight into his back foot. He makes the decision for Somerville, which is a big part of what you're, you you know, you don't want to do. You want to make the attacker make a decision and make a mistake. So yeah, it was poor.
0: I mean, there's really not much more to say after Leeds' third goal. Um, There were eight minutes of stoppage time. And frustratingly, it was only uh, Leeds who had the other shot on target. And Norwich looked so slow and pedestrian in possession. They really were out of ideas. Yeah, as I sort of mentioned earlier, a couple of really poor actions from Fashion Act. He gave a ball away right on the edge of Leeds' box. It should have been a pretty easy passing to spring it. um, And actually went out for a throw-in. So, yeah, really, really frustrating performance from him um, we were still really open still really porous off the ball there was no momentum and actually even I think away from like the tactical aspect the body language of the players looked pretty broken at this point a lot of anonymous performances and the worst period of the game to summarize how bad that last 20-25 minutes was I've got a stat which is that um, six of Leaders' eight shots on target were actually in that last 24 minutes so that's just an example of how Norwich imploded uh, defensively and um, that's how Leeds ended up winning the game. So, Rich, uh, overall, what did you think of uh, the display in terms of the, the tactical aspect and the
2: player performances? Yeah, so for me, I think ultimately it was a game we probably didn't deserve to win uh, and Leeds probably did deserve to win. A few of the tactical trends, we we looked better in the build-up but we were far too open on the transition And uh, we made it far too easy for Leeds to create chances. I think uh, we are far too easy to, to create chances against, and it's something that we need to look at. But then again, we looked to threat and we made chances. So, yeah, I don't know where we're sort of at with Wagner. We obviously need to get better defensively. I don't want to give an opinion yet. I think there's more time, but things need to change for me if we're going to be competing and getting into the top six, at which we were in the first 10 games.
1: Yeah, I think, well, numbers say we have one of the worst defences in the league. That's for what XG conceded, shots conceded. I think our pressing numbers are pretty average as well. Uh, But a lot of games in which we uh, haven't done enough to disrupt the opposition and also looked quite open. There's not really an excuse for this in that Wagner has had the ability to field his best keeper back four and central field in every game this season. And he basically has, say, for you uh, knew that's being rotated out against Coventry. To have statistically one of the worst defences in the league, it's the most damning thing you could possibly say about the way we've played recently. We're still scoring a, a reasonable number of goals, despite the fact that we're missing our two strikers who start the season, and our, our depth in the uh, forward and wide areas isn't necessarily the best. We're still scoring a reasonable number of goals. I think we've looked, we look much better in possession as well. So for me... That makes it kind of strange why when we go 2-0 up or in other games when we've uh, gone ahead, the sort of default strategy from that point on is just to sit back and sort of slowly remove our own attacking threat until we're just forced to sit in and defend for the rest of the game. Because by now we've shown that really we can't do that. We can't sit in for 20 minutes in a game and back ourselves to defend because we're simply not good enough for that part of the game. For me, that side of the game management is sort of the most damning part of Wagner's coaching performances. He'll obviously, uh, still being charged on Tuesday night, but uh, I think anything other than a, uh, a solid defensive performance against Middlesbrough will do little to uh, sort of stop those questions, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, from a fan's point of view, it does feel like the tide is turning a little bit. Um, I thought Wagner's post match comments were a bit worrying in terms of him saying that his team was very brave. He actually felt sorry for. The Norris side because he just said they didn't have any composure I think he meant that in the final third but um he talked about how if you look at the performance then actually it's against the, the recent trend of, of losing games and, and not winning which is a bit disturbing when you see just how polar opposite um, defensively and attacking wise we are uh, or we were in that game really I mean Going forward, it's one of the best games in terms of possession, in terms of opportunities. I wouldn't say on XG, probably not as strong as other games, but they still got into really good areas time and time again. But yeah, it's one of the most brittle performances of the season. I know Leeds are one of the best teams in the league, but the way that they would just play through Norwich in three or four passes is really, really alarming. And Wagner can talk up having a really good attacking performance, which it was, but Norwich are going to lose a lot more games if they continue to be that open and just aren't compact anymore. What we saw in August was that the 4-4-2 off the ball was really well organised. There were nice spaces in between the defence midfield and the midfield in the front two. But now they're huge vertically. So in terms of like the defence midfielder, quite far away, which you you guys both mentioned. But also horizontally. So I was mentioning about um, McLean and Forshaw in that last period being really far apart. But it was the same with Sarah. Whenever Leeds got wise, they just pulled Norwich's like shape apart and created all these passing lanes, all this space. It was just a complete contrast when Norwich had the ball and when they didn't have the ball. So until Wagner sorts that out, then I do think he's just not going to be able to stop the negativity coming from the fans. Because if we continue to concede goals and concede chances at that rate, We're going to be moving into lower mid table. um, And yeah, and the season could be over by Christmas.
1: I feel like it's the sort of performance that would be sort of described as naive by pundits, in that despite all I could play on the ball, we were just so ridiculously open to the point where at times it was almost like watching a Sunday league team where the midfielders can't get up and down the pitch. Like the gap between uh, the defence and midfield was like comically large at times. And it just can't happen at this level because. Even teams like Plymouth, who are a mid-table team, who, don't get me wrong, have some decent attackers, but they're not like a relegated Premier League team with multi 1000000 pounds wingers and strikers like Leeds are. Even they were able to take full advantage because you just can't defend like that at this level. It can't happen. There needs to be a serious sorting out of that ahead of uh, some difficult games coming up. Otherwise, I can't really see Wagner doing much to turn it around, if I'm honest.
0: No, and uh, a really difficult test uh, against Middlesbrough at Carrow Road on Tuesday. Well, we'll uh, leave it there. James, Rich, thanks very much. And thank you for listening to and supporting the Norwich City Tactics Podcast. Please subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to us on.